Welcome to Some Like It Pops, List of Palooza, Episode 3. I'm Matt Tamanini, and as always, I am joined by Jennifer McHugh. Jen, you ready to do some listing? Like you even have to ask. I know. You can follow Jen on Twitter at Eponine, Q-E-P-O-N-I-N-E-Q, and you can follow me at B-W-W-M-A-T-T. You can find all episodes of Some Like It Pop, including List of Paloozas and special mini-episodes on BroadwayWorld.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So, please subscribe so you can get every new episode of Some Like It Pop as soon as it becomes available. Then share the sheer, all-encompassing joy that is Some Like It Pop with everyone that you know. <laughs> okay, Jen, on our last List of Palooza, you decided that this time, in honor of the recently passed Academy Awards, now a spot light added to the list we would be counting down our favorite best picture oscar winners which was actually really helpful for me to have a focused list of candidates to choose from since i don't already have a spreadsheet of these types of things (laughs) to turn to i appreciate that obviously since there are only 88 possible choices there's a strong likelihood i assume that we're going to have a decent amount of overlap or at least a little bit are you comfortable with with that jen of us having some agreement in our lists Well, I think just knowing who we are as people and the publication that we write for, I feel like we'll have at least two to three of the same choices. Yeah, I think think that's probably a fair assumption. So, okay, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and start us off by listing my favorite Oscar Best Picture winners 10 through 6. Number 10 from 1975 is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, directed by Milos Forman. Number nine is 1999's American Beauty, directed by Sam Mendez. Number eight is 1938's You Can't Take It With You, directed by Frank Capra. Number seven is 2010's The King's Speech, directed by Tom Hooper. And then number six, a movie we talked about on our last list of Palooza, is 1964's My Fair Lady, directed by George Cukor. Jen, why don't you tell me your 10 through 6 and see if we have any overlaps yet? Not too many, actually. Uh, Number 10 is The King's Speech, as you mentioned, by Tom Hooper from 2010. Number 9 is The Artist, 2011, by Michael... Hasanavisius? That's the that is actually the correct pronunciation. Hasanavisius, really? Yeah. No, I have absolutely no idea how to okay. say it. Okay. Number eight is It Happened One Night from nineteen thirty four by Frank Capra. Number seven is West Side Story, nineteen sixty one, directed by Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins. And number six is Shakespeare in Love from nineteen ninety eight, directed by John Madden. Yeah, it's interesting on both of our lists, even though not all of them are based on theatrical productions, there's a lot of theater connections in yeah, those, of course. you know, with Shakespeare and Love, not only obviously based on Shakespeare, but it's now being turned into a musical at the Stratford Festival this summer. I mentioned American Beauty, directed by Sam Mendes, who is an acclaimed stage director. And Tom, 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 Tom Hooper. What's that? Tom Stoppard wrote um, Shakespeare in Love, did he not? He did, you're right. And Tom Mm -hmm. Hooper directed The King's Speech and then later went on to direct the Les Mis movie as well. So there's a lot in there. We'll see if there's any more in our five through ones. We're going to alternate back and forth. I'll start with my fifth, then Jenna will give her fifth, all the way down until we both give our favorite Best Picture winners of all time. I'm going to start with number five, one that does not venture far away from the Broadway community, and that is 2015's Birdman, directed by Alejandro González Iñárritu. I loved Birdman. It was by far my best picture candidate of 2015. The, the, it's a story of a former superhero movie star played by Michael Keaton trying to regain some artistic credibility by adapting, directing, and starring in a Broadway play. Like we said, it was directed by Inuritu, who has now won back-to-back Oscars for this and The Revenant. Uh, the, the performances were fantastic by Keaton and Edward Norton and one of my favorites, Emma Stone, 
but you also throw in the fact that a lot of the filming was done at the St. James Theater, but the direction, the cinematography was fantastic. The the kind of trippy, uh, existential dramas that were going on with some of these characters were fantastic. I love Birdman, so it's number five on my list. I love Birdman, too. So what is your number five, Jen? My number five is Slumdog Millionaire from Mm. 2008, directed by Danny Boyle. I really wish I had an explanation as to why I fell so in love with this movie. (laughs) I just, it hit all the right notes for me. It hit every emotion. And I was so happy that it won. I don't remember what it was against, but I was just really happy that it won. And um, the way the story is told through flashbacks and through a game show and all these unknown actors and... Um, I just really enjoyed it. it. It still, to this day, makes me very happy when I watch it. That's a good one. Definitely a good one. Uh, Danny Boyle is also a regular stage director, and I believe he is who directed the Frankenstein with uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller. Did you did you ever see that production that they filmed? I didn't. Was that the Was that in the West End? It, it was. It was the National Theater. Okay, so my number four is from 1991, The Silence of the Lambs, directed by Jonathan Demme. You know, I hesitate to even go into the story of this because I think everybody knows it by now. But basically, it's a young profiler for the FBI named Clarice Starling interviewing a brilliant psychologist turned cannibalistic serial killer named Hannibal Lecter in an effort to hunt down yet another serial killer named Buffalo Bill. Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins both won Oscars for playing Clarice and Dr. Lecter. The movie came out when I was nine, ten years old, so I didn't see it until much later, six or seven years later. But for me, this movie kind of marks the beginning of a new generation of psychological thrillers. After this, you started seeing movies like like Seven and The Usual Suspects and uh, and things in that vein that were, uh, and Twelve Monkeys that were really smart, really intellectual, but also had the, the some of the action sequences as well that were really taught, suspenseful storytelling. And I love this. And it also helps that I also loved Hannibal, the TV show that just wrapped up three years on NBC. I do have a soft spot. I do have a soft spot for Hannibal Lecter, but <laughs> this is a great, great movie. I love this movie too. It was, um, I actually saw this movie in uh, Pleasure Island in Orlando. There you go, just down the street from me. Yeah, um, I was on my senior trip in high school and we all went to see it one night. Yes, that's how old I am. I was a senior when you were nine. <laughs> it's okay. The end scene when she's in the basement and he's looking at her through the night vision oh. goggles still gives me nightmares. Still. <laughs> Anytime anyone mentions. Chianti, that's the first thing I yeah. think of, you know, and some fava beans and mm-hmm. you do, you know, yeah, it's, it's, for sure. yeah, it's so good. And Jodie Foster is great in this movie and, uh, yeah, I have to go to watch it again. All right, Jen, what's your number four? My number four is Chicago from 2002 really? by okay. Bob Marshall. Again, I, I mean, you know your audience, we're, we're going <laughs> to pick some musicals here. This was, I, I had known the show Chicago before the movie, but it never really interested me. I knew all that jazz and I knew Mr. Cellophane from like musical reviews. Sure. But this really opened me up to this show. I thought the movie adaptation was fantastic. And I really love Rob Marshall as the director. And um, Renee Zellweger is never my favorite person as an, on the screen. Um, I don't have anything against her. I just I'm kind of indifferent towards her. But I thought Catherine Zeta-Jones was amazing. Loved seeing Cheetah Rivera up there. And I thought Queen Latifah was really, really underrated. I'm not going to say much more because I have a feeling it's going to get mentioned again. You would be wrong. Really? It's not going to get mentioned again. So I will say I'm hit or miss on Rob Marshall. Um, I thought he did a good job with 
with Into the Woods here recently as well. Um, I did enjoy it. I like Chicago, the stage property, and this was an admirable job with it. I I didn't love it. I can take it or leave it. I mean, it's a good adaptation, and I always enjoy having good adaptations of stage musicals on film, especially ones that win Best Picture, but it did not crack my top 10. Huh. So so we'll see if there's anything else uh, that you can get wrong in this list. Um, but number three for me is 1974's the Godfather 2, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. We talked about my love for the Godfather trilogy, or at least the, the first two Godfather movies, when we did our pre-iTunes list of Palooza back in December. If you want to see that, you can get it on, on BroadwayWorld.com. Again, I don't know that I need to go too far into depth in this one, but it's Al Pacino. It's Robert De Niro playing father and son separated by a number of decades. You know, what else do you want? It's a great, great film. I'm not going to get too much more into this because I feel like we might be talking about some Godfather stuff here shortly. So what's your number three, Jen? My number three is The Godfather Part 2 from 1974, <laughs> directed by Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> okay, so there we go. We both got it slotted in at number three. Yeah. So do anything, what else do you want to add about this? You know, there's there's always a constant debate between The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2. Yes. Um, the third one is irrelevant because Sofia Coppola yes. ruined it, but... This one, I don't know, for some reason this one just resonates more. Maybe it's because of the flashbacks to, to Vito's childhood and his growing up and, and falling into the to the business. But I've always preferred this one. Hmm. And I, I mean, obviously, me saying I like this one better doesn't discount the genius of the first one sure. whatsoever. But this is also the one that finally brought Coppola the Oscar, as it eluded him for the first one. Uh, that was given to our dear, dear Bob Fosse. Yes. Um, all right, number two for me on my list is one that you mentioned already. That's 1961's West Side Story, directed by Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins. Um, even more than Oklahoma did on screen six years before, West Side Story uses every aspect of musical storytelling, singing, acting, dancing, to tell a really compelling story. And what people don't realize now when we look back at West Side Story is that this came out in the 50s, the movie came out in 61, but the musical came out in the 50s, and was set in the 50s. And so the fact that they're seeing a musical about gangs in New York while sitting in a New York Broadway theater was a lot more powerful than we even give it credit for now. That film is beautiful. The colors, the the lighting, the dancing, the performances are great. Russ Tamblin, Amber Tamblin's father, a lot of people don't make the connection between the guy who played Riff is also Amber Tamlin's father. And Star of uh, Twin Peaks. And Star of Twin Peaks. There you go. You know, it's it's a great film, and I love that one. It's, it is definitely my favorite musical on this list because it, it, it succeeds on so many different levels. It's also fascinating, and I don't want to delve too much into this, but it's also fascinating to know that Stephen Sondheim does not enjoy his work as the lyricist for this show because he thinks it's too it's too showy it's it's too it's not authentic to the characters while i think for many people it they consider it his best work as a lyricist at least popularly uh, maybe not inside the musical theater community but for people outside of those of us that you know have a soft spot for merrily we roll along or whatever people know stephen sondheim's lyrics because of west side story and they're the ones that he's kind of Eh, I wish I could do it over. So I love West Side Story. I know you mentioned it a little higher on your list, so I'm glad that we at least have that in agreement. Yeah, I love West Side Story. Um, did I tell you about the night that I met Russ Tamlin and George Sakiris at the same time? No, the guys who played uh, Biff and or Riff and Bernardo. 
Yes. I was at a premiere of The King and I out here when Stephanie Powers was in it, and mm-hmm. they were both there, and I got a picture with the both of them. That was lost to the annals of history, but whatever. I met them both. All right. Y2K? So um, sure. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's your number two? Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. Not by Falco, oh. but 1984, directed by Milos Forman. Big Mozart junkie. Uh, went to Vienna, went to Salzburg. Even standing in the church in, in Prague, where he some of these scenes were filmed. It's just a really, really, I feel like amazing is underselling it, telling of this story between Mozart and Salieri. And yes, it's dramatized, obviously, but I love the Mozart Requiem so much and the way they scored it with the Mozart music constantly underneath it and the way it's filmed and Tom Hulse's take on the character and F. Murray Abraham's Academy Award winning performance as Salieri. I can't recommend this movie enough. It's it holds up over time and it's definitely one of my top 10 of all time. Yeah. And it's again, based on a play. Mm -hmm. Uh, Schaffer, Peter Schaffer. Yes. Who also went on to write the play Equus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so good. Stage connections for both of us are staying through there. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, other than the fact that my number one has some theater actors in the cast, not exactly a theater one. I'm going to differ from you, where you said The Godfather 2 was your favorite of the two. The Godfather from 1972, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, is number one on my all-time favorite Best Picture winners. And I struggle to include both. And I always go back and forth, like you said, to kind of differentiate between the two. And I mentioned this a previous episode, but the reason I always put The the Godfather ahead of its sequel is because of this one scene. And I think it's, it's one of my top three or four favorite scenes in movie history. And that is as Michael Corleone is standing there becoming the Godfather to his nephew, who is actually played by a baby Sofia Coppola. She didn't ruin that one. He's renouncing Satan and in all of his works, intercut with his men carrying out coordinated hits on the heads of the five families, effectively cementing Michael as the godfather of the Corleone family. It's beautiful. It's brutal. It's brilliant. I love that scene. I love this movie. Anytime this shows up on TV and I'm flipping, I stay on it. it, it same thing with, with the sequel. Uh, but especially this one, it's... Uh, it's so good, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm an Italian-American. But uh, I do I, I do love The Godfather. And so on my list of top ten favorite Best Picture winners of all time, it is number one. I mean, I, I can't argue with you. No. It's one of the class, great American classics of all time. And um, I think the reason two edges it out for me is because of the Fredo thing. Like, that, to me, yeah. is my favorite Godfather moment. But... You know, when my brother and I go to Little Italy, we always go to the bars that they filmed in, you know, just to be there. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a great two out of three movies in that series. Yeah, what the hell happened? You know? It was so disappointing. Like, oh, I can't even talk about it. I'll get upset. Yeah. And then similarly with, uh, as I mentioned, with Silence of the Lambs, anytime anyone mentions Chianti, anytime men- anyone mentions a cannoli, I, of course, mm-hmm. have to say. Take the gun. Uh, so leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, it all comes back down to food. So, okay. Jen, we obviously know that we're not going to agree on our number one since you, uh, put the Godfather behind its sequel. So what is your number one favorite best picture winner of all time? I figured you would have guessed because I mentioned it in my top favorite movies of all time. Okay. But it is 1965, The Sound of Music. 
Robert Wise. Um, I I don't like this stage show at all. I will not go see it on stage. I think it's terrible. But this movie, I will still cry every single time <laughs> when they are in that freaking gondola singing that song. I am a giant mess. It is my childhood personified, and I love everything about it. You ran away from the Nazis? I did. I did. When I was in Salzburg, I took the <laughs> tour, and I sang on the fountain, and I was an idiot. I was that American that everyone hates. But I love this movie so much, and Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer are still two of my favorites. And um, even though I survived my one brother always singing The Lonely Goat Herder, which no one should ever have to suffer through. Oh, my God. No one should do that with Julie Andrews. <laughs> but it's my favorite. I, I love it to death. I... I, I'm not a Sound of Music fan, either on stage or on screen. In the hierarchy of Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals, I haven't seen them all. I haven't seen Allegro, uh, but it is at the bottom of what I've seen. So maybe that'll be a list for us to get into at a later date. Uh, but it is not one of my favorites. So but that's okay. I appreciate your appreciation of it. Thank you. Okay, so Jen, we've done our favorite plays. Our favorite musicals, now our favorite Oscar winners, which had a lot of play and musical connections in them. So what list will we tackle on our next list of Palooza? Well, uh, it's March. It is. So I figured let's take a break from some entertainment and let's go into sports and let's talk about our favorite sports movies of all time. Okay. Favorite sports movies of all time. Okay. I can do this one. Yeah, I know you can. I, I feel okay with this. Good. I'm good with this. Good. Thanks for checking out Some Like It Pops List of Palooza Episode 3. You can find all of our episodes on broadwayworld.com, and you can now get new episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So make sure to subscribe, download, and play us on a loop so that you know more about our pop culture inclinations than we know ourselves. If you need more me and your podcast feed, subscribe to Broadway Radio to get the new Today on Broadway podcast, where Monday through Friday, James Marino and I will give you 10-ish minutes of the most important theater news of the day. Jen and I will be back next week with a regular episode of Some Like It Pop. So until then, we'll see you around the Broadway world. <laughs>